0: And so, as before, we will begin to study our inheritance. That is the unsearchable, unchanging epigraph of our study of the Word of God is the book of Luke 24, 44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and prophets, and Psalms. Nothing will stand in God's way of fulfilling for His Son everything that He has written down through by His prophets in Psalms, in the law, especially that He has promised to fulfill it for Christ when He will be head of the church This is not just a promise given to him out of the church or independent of it. He will be the head of his body. His body will be the church and he will be that head of the Church. And so, we as the participants of the body of Christ which share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about Him in Scripture, we continue to study our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit who reveals the truth in the heart, what we need to do from our side so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so we can clothe our body into a new way of life. (coughs) you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which has been corrupted by its deceitful lusts to be made new by the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self created by God in true righteousness and holiness Ephesians 4.22-24 this is the great calling and purpose for every person that is in God's family before the creation of the world this is the calling of a person, because every sa- many saints uh, ask the question, what is my calling? And their calling, they think their calling is to be either a pastor, Episcopal, deacon, uh, an evangelist, go go somewhere, do something. Yes, we do need to do something, but not with someone else, but with ourselves. Christ says, what good is it that you obtain the whole world, but... Lose your soul. God's uh, Christ's goal was uh, that he suffer for every individual soul of a person, so that it become immortal, and that our corrupt body would become incorrupt. And so, this is a calling. And if we will not find this greatness and our purpose in that calling, we will lose our salvation, because. It is given to us in the format of a guarantee as a seed so that we can grow it into the fruits of the tree of life. And for this you need to do what? Put off your former way of life, (coughs) renew your mind by the spirit of your mind, and clothe your body into the new person. To fulfill this (coughs) destiny, impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts will determine whether we transform ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath, or more specifically, if our salvation will happen that is given to us in the format of a seed that identifies the guarantee of our justification or not, which is why our names that were written into the Book of Life... when we made a covenant with God will then be forever blotted out of the book of life in a particular format we already looked at the process contained in the first two acts and stopped to study the process of the third act and specifically what conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind we can begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of our of the glory of our new person that is created according to God in Christ Jesus, in righteousness and holy truth. Relevant to this, we stop to study the condition contained in the 18th Psalm of David, where the Holy Spirit, with the wisdom and power that He alone has, reveals the demands according to which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El El Elyon or God Most High. Because in this psalm, David speaks to God, and he calls him El Yon. The essence of this condition consists in this, that in the circumstances of our hardship, when we are putting off the old man with his deeds, we can call upon the Most Highest to our God and confess the faith of our heart, saying who God is to us in Jesus Christ, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, who we are to God in Jesus Christ, and what conditions do we need to fulfill to inherit all that God has done for us In Jesus Christ, we need to present this in prayer, present evidence that we are children of God. (laughs) We've noted that the given allegory is one of the most powerful and all-capturing examples because here the Holy Spirit shows the collaboration of our renewed mind as King David with the name of God, uh, God Most High and their violent conflict with our carnal mind in the form of King Saul, and with governing sin, as our old person with his deeds. In other words, in our body, there are three kings that are anointed by God that live, and they all battle for our body, and the field of battle is our heart. It is by the means of confessing the faith of God that is concealed within our heart, consisting of who God is to us in Jesus Christ, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ who we are to God in Jesus Christ and what we need to do so that we can inherit all that God has done for us in Christ Jesus God can receive the proper foundation then that he needs to join the battle for our earthly bodies so that he can shame the governing within our body sin which is the old person with his deeds by the crushing power of his redemption and with noise forever thrust him out into hell and when we talk about what God will do for us and that God will crush, that means that He will do this by our using our lips upon the condition that they will confess the faith that's in the heart, not what we want or desire or what's written in the Bible, but what is written upon the tablets of our heart. In its character, the Psalm of David contains three parts where we see demonstrated an example of the character of our legitimate prayer, which belongs to kings, priests, and prophets. The first part identifies the state of the heart of David as a warrior in prayer, which is the required basis for the legitimate status of his prayer, belonging to kings, priests, and prophets. In other words, for our prayer to be legitimate, To be received by God, acceptable by God, we need that our heart have the status of a warrior in prayer. Second part opens opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer itself, which belongs to kings, priests, and prophets, which gives God the proper basis to deliver David from the hands of all of his enemies. Third part illustrates the prayer battle itself in an epic way, which is beyond the limitations of the typical human mind. I will remind us that the virtue of a king consists of our mind being renewed by the spirit of our mind, which gives us power to the right to rule over the emotional aspect of our body and lead them under the bridle as a horse of battle. The virtue of a priest gives us the power to the right to run to God as warriors in prayer so that we can perform legitimate intercession for the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. The virtue of a prophet gives our new person the right to enter the Devere or the Holy of Holies so that we can hear the voice of God above the lid of the golden ark within our heart and provides God with the foundation that He needs to hear our intercessions and respond to them. In a specific format, we already looked at the first part and stopped to look at the second part, which opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer in the eight names of God Most High. Getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David in the eight names of God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, so that he can be saved from his enemies. In other words, he turned to God with these eight names. And God, getting to know and confessing the truth that opens up the power of His names within the heart of David, provided God with a legit basis to use the power contained in the capabilities of His names to battle against the enemies of David and our enemies. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I have been saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1-4. We will take these amazing opportunities. We can proclaim who God is to us and what he has done for us. And so let us together, Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my... You are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, the horn of my salvation, and Lord, my stronghold. May the Lord hear these words, and may He show His mercy, His favor, and take these words as armor. And may He be able to accomplish this battle, to be able to be a part of this battle for our earthly bodies. In a specific format, as much as the Lord has allowed, and according to the measure of our faith, we already studied our inherited lot in Christ Jesus in the power of five names of God, and these are Strength, Rock, Fortress, deliver, and Living Rock, and stopped to study our unsearchable inherited lot in Christ Jesus, contained in the name of God, Living Shield considering that the given nature of prayer where David confesses his inherited lot in the eight names of God Most High identifies the covenant that is made between God and man getting to know the eight names of God which identify God's covenant with us is a strategic teaching which is purposed to be the calling of every warrior in prayer ones that have the virtue of a king priest and prophet who are anointed to rule over their earthly body If a person has not accepted the given to him anointing to govern over his calling, which is his mortal body, in the status of a king, priest, and prophet, so that he can change it into the virtue of a heavenly body, then this revelation that is purposed for worshipping God in prayer will not benefit him in any way. And as a general rule, that part that says worshipping God in spirit and in truth If we don't fulfill our calling as a warrior in prayer, then we are not worshiping in spirit and in truth. There are few in Christianity that know what worshiping God and the Heavenly Father in spirit and in truth is. When we fulfill our purpose, our calling, this is worshiping in spirit and in truth. The name of God's shield, presented in Scripture as a living shield, is elevated in scripture for warriors in prayer as their military equipment or weaponry. The purpose of such of such a shield is called by God to block us and protect us as warriors in prayer, those who battle for the interests of the will of God, and to give God the legitimate basis to stand at our right side as well as between us and our enemies, so that in the one and other situation He can take the hits that are directed at us by our enemies upon Himself, we need to fulfill specific conditions that will allow us to find ourselves in the place and the time where the power of the name of God, in the virtue of a living shield, will receive a legitimate reason to stand between us and our enemies so that He can take the hits that are intended for us by our enemies upon Himself. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. The reason why was because behind them is where the enemy was. And that is why the Lord moved Himself from the front to the back. So it came between... he. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one and it it gave light and night to the other so that the one did not come near the other all night. In the given circumstances, when the Egypt of our soul tries to return us to slavery, our new person, collaborating with the name of God's shield, will hear the noise of the pursuing enemy who is targeting him, the one that he was initially delivered from, and it happens that this fatal hit or blow that is directed against our liberty from sin falls upon Christ, who will be taken from the earth and will be nailed to the cross, as it is written. I have become a stranger to my Brothers and an alien to my mother's children, because zeal for your house has eaten me up, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. Psalm 69 8, 9. <clears throat> the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. They fall upon Christ when we are in Christ, when He is between us and our enemies. When Christ is in us, He will not stand between us and our enemies. We need to stand then between God and his enemies, so that the reproaches that are against him fall upon us. Here it's talking about God being our shield when we are in him. Therefore, the quality and lexicon in identifying the name of God's shield, as with the previous names of God Most High, is not able to be found in any dictionary of the world. So, to be a to be our living shield so that He can take upon Himself the hits of the evil curse that pursues us by the sinful seed of our fathers, this is to protect and block us from the wrath of God, protect and block us from the deception of the evil one, protect and block us from the evil and slanderous tongue, protect and block us from the curse of all nature of illness, protect and block us from the curse of poverty, to protect and block us from the curse of untimely or or early death, and, protect, and <clears throat> protect us from the sinful life that was passed on to us from our fathers. Looking at the list containing such intervention and such a protection from all nature of existing enemy, the Holy Spirit in the given per Psalm of David, in the meaning of the name of God's shield, has concealed the inherited lot of the Son of God, in whom and by whom every person collaborating their faith with the faith of God with the living shield of God, is called to not only be protected from their enemies, but also to receive the victorious ability to keep and increase the profit which is received from the invested silver of salvation that he has been, <clears throat> that has been turned to profit in the death of the Lord Jesus, which consists of adopting our body by the redemption of Christ and is a component of the promise of imperishable food considering such a necessary tandem or such a union of God with man, it is vitally important for us to determine the role of God and the role of man in each aspect of our essence. And for this purpose, as with the previous names of God, which are called to be the lot of our salvation, it is necessary for us to study four classical questions that will help us learn the essence of our inheritance contained in the name of God living shield so that He can provide God we can provide God with the legitimate foundation to use it in battle for the adoption of our bodies. First, according to Scripture, what are the identifications and qualities of the name of God in the purpose of His glorious name, shield? Second, what purpose, being in the role of our protector, did God allocate for Himself, and what role has He placed upon us? What conditions do we need to fulfill to provide God with the proper foundation to allow us to enter the unsearchable inheritance of His name in the virtue of of a living shield of our faith, and fourth, by what sign do we examine ourselves as to whether we are truly collaborating our faith with the faith of God in the virtue of His name, shield. Considering this, we need to not forget that all the acts of God relating to His protection are called to happen by collaborating our faith with the faith of God, which contains the protection of God, where we see the role of God and role of man clearly identified and outlined, and this means that without a strict and voluntary obedience to the preached word spoken by the person who possesses the authority of a father of God, and his helpers that are in the same spirit with him we will not have any opportunities to receive profit in the form of the fruit of righteousness from the seed of guarantee that we have turned to profit or that we have invested for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us 2 Corinthians one twenty. only by the, through the apostles can we inherit when Apostle Paul said through us he didn't mean some kind of other ranks he meant the rank of the apostles because only the apostles that plant the seed they have the ability they have the planted uh, word God can give these promises he gives us his promises in in the seed and this seed is uh, spoken by the person whom God has clothed as a father he possesses the seed of the word any person can come out and read the word and as he does not have the delegation of a father this will just be the word that kills if a person comes out that is clothed by the Holy Spirit into the authority of a father then the same word that this other person may have read when read by this person will be life That that will give life And so, you need to first look at who it is, who is speaking, and then after that, what they're speaking, what they're saying, and then how to fulfill it. Because God in all of His powerful and unchanging names can be the lot of our inheritance exclusively in this situation when this lot becomes the component of the confession of the faith of God that is concealed within our good heart. And before we receive the right to the power to confess our inherited lot that is contained in the name of God's shield… As the component of the faith of our heart, it is necessary to pay the price for the right to be a student of Christ, whose heart is able to receive the seed of the planted word and grow it so that it can demonstrate its power in the fruit of righteousness that is expressed in justice. And we will remember that only that person, that thirsts to hear the word of God, submerges into this word lives by this word, abides in this word, and the word abides in him, is able to stand in battle against the ancient serpent and escape the deceptive nets of the devil so that he can inherit the adoption of his body by the redemption of Christ. And so the deceptive nets of the devil are the desires of our flesh as well as voices of other people that preach the dead word that are not called to be representatives and carriers of the seed of the word of God. Therefore, without our collaboration with the powers contained in the name of God living shield, representing the faith of our heart, we will not be able to please God. Hebrews 11.6 But without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him we start to study the first question, what identifications and qualities do the scriptures give the name of God contained in the virtue of his, of his living shield? And so three of the components in identifying the power of the name of God living shield have already been subjects of our study. In short, we will remind ourselves of their essence and after which we will then study the next. God, demonstrating the virtue of His name, living shield, taking upon Himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemy, is a shield only to Abraham and his descendants. For those that the children who have the faith of Abraham, not those in the flesh, are the descendants of Abraham, but by faith are the descendants of Abraham. After these things, this word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Genesis 15.1. This is after the situation where he left his nation, the house of his father, and when he separated himself from his relative who represented his soul. And so then upon Lot and upon the land that Lot was in, the enemy uh, attacked it. In the form of our carnal mind. The the four kings and Abraham uh, was responsible for the Canaanite land. He was responsible for watching his body. He needed to redeem it by the redemption of Christ. And he, with his servants, went and fought with these four Babylonian kings with his carnal mind, and he took from him them the emotional uh, the five senses and so after he did this only then did God tell him I am your shield your exceedingly great reward before this God will not be our shield if we don't have any we need to understand who our true enemies are we note that God revealed himself in Abraham, uh, Himself to Abraham in the virtue of his name, Living Shield, only after, as we said, the passing of specific incidences or events, which apply also to us so that we can give God the legitimate basis to reveal himself in his name, Living Shield. Therefore, so that God can demonstrate himself in our heart in the virtue of a Living Shield, it is necessary for us to be partakers and descendants of Abraham, to whom God, became, uh, to whom God because of specific reasons, Uh, did not account the sin of Adam to Abraham. Second, God demonstrating the virtue of His name a living shield, taking upon Himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemy, is a shield in the blood of the covenant for those who applied the blood of the Lamb, Pesach, on the lintel and doorposts of their essence. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see uh, the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on your on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And so, as we know, the lintel and the doorpost, the doorpost where it connects to one side of the lintel is mortal, the other side is immortal. And we are called to save our soul and body. We are called to receive the promise for the salvation of our soul and adoption of our body. When we receive it in the truth of the blood of the covenant, when we understand it, then God becomes our shield. And so, the truth that is contained in the blood of Christ. Third, God demonstrating the virtue of his name, Living Shield, taking upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemy. And so again, uh, God demonstrating the virtue of His name, living shield, taking upon Himself the hits that are directed at at us by our enemy, is presented in the truth of the Word of God concealed within three functions of our essence, in our good heart, in our renewed mind, and in our our gentle or meek tongue that is confessing the faith of God that is concealed within our heart. His truth shall be your shield and buckler, Psalm 91.4 fourth God demonstrating the virtue of his name living shield taking upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemy is revealed in active protection of sovereign boundaries protection of our sovereign boundaries and the protection of the sovereign boundaries of our neighbor and so God becomes a shield a protector protecting his sovereign rights our sovereign rights and the sovereign rights of our neighbor you shall not remove your neighbor's landmark which is which the men of old have set in your inheritance which you will inherit in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess, Deuteronomy 19.14, so that in the given component we understand the demonstration of the name of God and the virtue of our living shield, who takes upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemies within the boundaries of our body and the boundaries of the body of Christ, it is necessary for us to study the given command in two fundamental things. In what way did God look at or perceive the land of Canaan, or what was the Canaanite land to God, and how did the Canaanite land differ from other lands upon planet Earth? Second, in what way did God look at or perceive the sons of Israel inhabiting the land of Canaan and by what criteria were the sons of Israel able to inherit their lot in the land of Canaan? Clarification in identifying and fulfilling these two fundamental requirements from our end will first provide God with a foundation to show himself in his virtue of a living shield, taking upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemies that are within our body as well as within the boundaries of the body of Christ in the form of the chosen by God remnant. When upon him the unclean, wicked, and lawless will be attacking. First question, in what way did God look at or perceive the land of Canaan? Or what was the Canaanite land to God? And how did the Canaanite land differ from other lands upon planet Earth? Although the true Lord of all planet Earth that is created by the word of God that came out of the mouth of God is God himself, as it is written. So Moses said to Pharaoh, As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease and there will... Be no more hailed that you may know that the earth is the Lord's, Exodus 9.29. Moses here says that the entire planet is God's creation and is his own, which is why he never, he will never give people the ability to destroy uh, planet earth with any kind of weapons. The church needs to be at peace. However, uh, rumors of wars may be, uh, don't be afraid they will not be able to destroy the earth. It is God's belonging. He just won't allow them to do it. They want to do a lot. A lot have ideas and intentions, but this is God's possession. It's God's belonging, and the earth will not be destroyed with, an ato- with uh, nuclear bombs. It will be destroyed by God uh, with fire when he will judge the earth after the thousand-year reign. In the given situation, God bringing about the ten plagues over Egypt wanted to show Pharaoh that the land of Egypt, that Pharaoh considered his own possession was actually God's creation. Considering this fact, Apostle Paul wrote that all the earth is God's possession in the understanding that God is the creator of all that is visible and invisible. Eat whatever is sold in the market, Meat market, asking no questions for conscience' sake. We're not here. We're not studying uh, the the food part. But the, it says here, for the earth is the Lord's, and all is full and in all its fullness. In any of those who do not believe, invited you to dinner, and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no questions for conscience' sake. You know. When someone offers you something, maybe f- eat to eat, it may have satanic marks on it, on the wrappers or, or on packaging. It doesn't mean that it belongs to uh, Satan. A lot of good products today, there could be satanic marks, maybe, uh, on and they say, well, this is dangerous. Well, it's not dangerous. It's dangerous for the un- unbelieving, but not for the believing. First of all, this is not the creation of the hands of Satan. We need to understand that. And so, it says here, eat without uh, asking questions. As, but if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat, f- eat it for the sake of the one who told you and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. 1 Corinthians 10, 25 through 28. And so even cats and dogs, if some some may actually eat uh, and snakes and, and frogs and... Uh, on YouTube, you may have even seen some videos of of other countries that uh, that prepare uh, different types of animals. Uh, I was eating a frog. When I, if they had never told me it was a frog, I would not ever know. Uh, it was a, a pleasant, pleasant uh, to eat it. And so, why does it say that here, so that we understand that the Uh, Earth is the Lord's, and so nothing on the earth, there can't be anything on the earth that would be as uh, you would call unclean. When When I'm saying dogs and Pastor Daniel was talking about dogs, I started to receive calls from other countries. A sister says, I have a dog at home, what do I do? Pastor Daniel said that we can't have dogs in the house. and so only if you have communion within your household uh, if you cleaned your house and and the dog is not present within the area and so in the houses
1: if there's dogs
0: or uh, if there's dogs present within the room please don't have communion if so you need to clean the house uh, and, and 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 remove the dogs or cats from that room wherever that communion will take place. Uh, and so, don't mistake. I do like cats and dogs. Don't don't make that mistake. But I do have allergies to cats and dogs. I know people that uh, cure themselves or are taking medication from allergies uh, because they have allergies also to certain animals. But because they have love for this animal, they they deal with this this uh, symptoms. And so I want you to correctly understand this that dogs and cats are God's creation too. Be careful when you say about a dog that this is a member of the household. A member of the household it can also be a director within the house is really the kind of thing when you when you use wording as uh and so do you really believe that the dog uh, takes? It has control within the house uh, the dog should never have any control in the house and can't be named in this way or regarded in such a way don't make them into as a human and so when you're talking about communion it's for man and not for beast or animals uh, the animals don't suffer the way people do and if they have any blemish it's not like people people uh, have a conscience. People have spirits. Animals don't have this, and so don't uh, look at them as if they have these things. Or you say, "Oh well, this cat is is uh, shy. He's not shy. He's he." They have their own qualities. They're not as human qualities. So don't behave with them as as humans. When we talk about the land of Canaan, unlike all other lands, God looked at the land of Canaan as his holiness, as a component of his redemption that he captured, redeeming her from all other lands with the blood of the cross of Christ from the power of the prince of darkness to whom Adam gave authority over all the earth. For the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden, but the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water from the rain of heaven, a land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it, from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. Deuteronomy 11, 10 through 12. There was... There is no comparable revelation about any land upon planet Earth like there was about the land of Canaan, about which God cares and the eyes of the Lord are always on her from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. The land shall not be sold permanently. It's talking about the Canaanite land. It shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine, for you are strangers and sojourners with me. And in all the land of your possession, you shall grant redemption of the land. Leviticus 25, 23 through 24. You could sell it only for 50 years, but when the year of the Pentecost would come, you need to return it to the one whom you purchased it from. If there is 49 years left and... it's it, of course that doesn't apply it has to be at the pentecost <laughs> Leviticus 25, 24. Looking at the given place, we see that just as God separated the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden from all the other fruit trees, pronouncing it to be His holiness, the same thing here. God separated the land of Canaan from the other lands upon planet Earth, proclaiming that it is His holiness, telling the sons of Israel that they are strangers and sojourners in the land of Canaan because the Canaanite land is holiness or sacred to the Lord. Therefore, responding to the first part of the second question, how does God perceive the sons of israel inhabiting the land of canaan we conclude if a person did not possess the state of a stranger in himself and did not see himself as a stranger and sojourner he lost his right to, to the lot oh, uh, in the land of canaan that was promised by god to abraham and his descendants upon the condition that his descendants just like him will be called jews that is Sojourner, strangers, possessing the virtue of a stranger and sojourner. A Jew is not a nationality, it is a state of a sojourner, a stranger. The ordinance to separate the land of Canaan from other lands as a land most holy to the Lord applied to the land of Canaan and also other formats of separation as most holy to the Lord. First, for example, separating the tribe of Levi from all other tribes of the sons of Israel as most holy to the Lord. Second, separating all the firstborn from all the sons of Israel as most holy to the Lord. Third, separating the firstborn from all animals and flocks as most holy to the Lord. And fourth, separating a tithe, the tenth from all the produce of the land. If you see here how many other things he separated as something holy or most holy to himself, therefore separating the land of Canaan amongst the sons of Israel into the law. Lo- in two lots, the tribe of Levi did not receive their own lot, the reason being that God said to Moses, I am their inheritance. Specifically, when Apostle Peter says, you are kings and priests to God, this means that God is our lot. But to the tribe of Levi, Moses had given no inheritance. The Lord God of Israel was their inheritance, as he said to them, But the Levites have no part among you, for the priesthood of the Lord is their inheritance. Joshua 13.33 and 18.7 With this, the size of each lot in the land of Canaan depended on the number of the sons of Israel, one with a bigger number of people, that one was given a bigger lot, one with a smaller number of people, that one was given a smaller lot. And so, God gives to us knowledge of Himself according to the measure of our faith, and so more or less. To each one, He gave a measure. He gave one, two talents, one, five talents. Why? Independence of the faith they had, the measure of their faith, the level of their faith. The greater your faith, the greater God will, you'll be able to have the lot that will be. And so, you don't need to remain in one place. You need to expand continuously. These are the ones who were numbered of the children of Israel, 600 and 1,730. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, To these the land shall be divided as an inheritance according to the numbers of names. To a large tribe you shall give a larger inheritance, and to a small tribe you shall give a smaller inheritance. Each shall be given its inheritance according to those who were numbered of them. And so imagine how much work needed to happen. So, to the tribe of Judah and to each individual person in the tribe of Judah, you were to give a lot of land, a plot of land within that (coughs) territory that was given to them. But the land shall be divided by lot. They shall inherit according to the names of the tribes of their fathers. According to the lot, their inheritance shall be divided between the larger and the smaller. Numbers 26, 51 through 56. Responding to the second part of the second question, by what criteria were the sons of Israel able to inherit their lot in the land of Canaan? We come to the conclusion that the criteria when it comes to the state of a stranger is having evidence before God of the redemption of our soul in our heart, which was a remembrance before God. This is the next condition for the right to possess the land of Canaan, or a lot in the land of Canaan. Then the Lord spoke, uh, spoke to Moses, saying, When you take the senses of the children of Israel for their number, then every man shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord when you number them that there may be no plague among them when you number them. This is what everyone amongst those who are numbered shall give half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary. As a shekel and twenty gira, the half shekel shall be an offering to the Lord. Everyone, including among those who are numbered from twenty years old and above, shall give an offering to the Lord. The rich shall not give more and the poor shall not give less than half a shekel when you give an offering to the Lord to make atonement for yourselves it's here talking about the circulation of money <clears throat> we need to release from ourselves invest it and so when God gives salvation whether it's a wealthy person or poor person the salvation's the same the wealthy needs to pay for the salvation of a soul more than one who is poor God gives equal to each one and so we symbolically this uh, sanctification this uh, census of the people this was sanctification when people went to a battle and God would look at the nation because if there were unclean among them God will not fight with them and so uh, they had to perform this census and they needed to make a, uh, give a ransom they needed to invest the silver that they have from the Lord and you shall take the atonement money of the children of Israel and you shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of meeting that it may be a memorial for the children of Israel before the Lord to make atonement for yourselves Exodus 30, 11 through 16, when we invest the silver of our salvation, we receive it that as, a, as a seed, and in the death of the Lord, we release it, we die with the seed in the death of the Lord Jesus by the law for the law so that we can resurrect within this seed. And God says, I will take what you've given to me. Don't be afraid that you gave it to me, and it will not uh, succeed or 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 not work. Sometimes people make an agreement, they invest a certain amount of money in the business, goes the wrong way, and they lose that. Or a person did not calculate things properly, uh, they thought something was sufficient, and it wasn't. That's not how it works with God. God says, if you gave the half shekel of the sanctuary, this is sufficient, you are investing it, and it will become, in this way, God will redeem our soul, and this will be the remembrance of the redemption of our soul. <clears throat> so we understand that this is symbolic, what the census means now. First, we need to study in the symbol of the given instruction, what for us is the symbol of the land of Canaan? What is our lot within the boundary of the land of Canaan? In what way are we able to move the landmark that is given by a, by a caste lot to our neighbor? And what must, what must we do so that we not move our neighbor's landmark? So that in this way, we can give God the legitimate foundation to be a living shield, taking upon himself the hits of our enemies that are intended to move our sovereign landmark that outlines our lot our destiny, our calling. We need to keep in mind that the landmarks of our personal lot, or land, which outlines the boundaries of our inheritance in Jesus Christ, fall in pleasant places and are called to be a good inheritance for us, as it is written, O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup, you maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places, yes, I have a good inheritance. Psalm 16, 5, 6. This is talking about every righteous person that are. Uh, boundaries are lines. They outline our inheritance in Jesus Christ. We are talking about the power of the eight names of God. These are boundaries. These are we. Are, we're seeing the outline of these boundaries. He says, "Son, daughter, this is your lot. I give you this lot of my names, my word. I have uh, vowed and I've promised." So, let us return to the instructions that, when fulfilled, will allow us to provide God with a foundation to demonstrate Himself in the form of our living shield, taking upon Himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemies, within our body, as well as out of our body, which states... You shall not remove your neighbor's landmark, which the men of old have set, in your inheritance, which you will inherit in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Deuteronomy 19.14 We need to note that the given instruction was already ratified or confirmed from the position of Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. Every time when God gave a law, he it wasn't legitimate until it was established, confirmed. And so the nation needed to confirm this entire law that God gave. The six tribes were upon Mount Gerizim, the other six upon Mount Ebal, and they proclaimed upon these two mountains, uh, the Levites, blessed is this person, and the nation says, and then cursed is such a person who moves his neighbor's landmark, and each one said, Amen. And so, in this way, the law was ratified. Cursed is the one who moves his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. Deuteronomy twenty-seven, seventeen. And so, this was the word, cursed is the one who moves his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. And it was spoken upon the mountains of Ibal and Gerizim. Looking at the given instruction, we conclude that every person is blessed when he does not move his neighbor's landmark. Therefore, the reason we break this rule or move our neighbor's landmark that was given to him in Jesus Christ is by our controlling spirit, which shows itself in nasty or detestable egoism that a person doesn't see himself. If he will not listen to the word and he will not incline his heart so that God can enlighten him and show him. Therefore, landmark of a property are boundaries that indicate the lot in the land of Canaan, which was given to the sons of Israel, who were included in the census, the territory received by a cast lot by their fathers. They received it, the fathers had died, and the fathers passed on this inheritance to their children landmark of a property are boundaries that outline our lot which is given to us by God in the form of our calling demonstrated in our calling and our election elevated in virtue of our imperishable inheritance that we are called to carry responsibility for before God landmark of a property are boundaries that outline the level of our faith that directly depends on our dedication that preceded sanctification which is linked to our spiritual growth or our spiritual maturity. As it is written, Romans 12, 3, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, do not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And God gives, de- deals to each one a measure of faith uh, by the uh, measure of our sanctification, and the measure of our sanctification that then follows dedication depends on our spiritual growth. And so, the measure of our spiritual growth, we are given uh, the measure of faith. Understanding our abilities that are within the potential of the collaboration of our faith with the faith of God depends on our accurate understanding of the potential of our faith. That is placed in dependence of our dedication, which precedes a specific level of sanctification depending on the level of our spiritual growth. Considering this, overestimating the abilities of the measure of our faith as well as underestimating it will either push us to move the landmark of our neighbor or will allow our neighbor or our enemy to move our landmark (coughs) of of our, our sovereign lot, which consists of our calling and our responsibility. Mm. And so, not evaluating our our faith, the measure of our faith properly, will allow <clears throat> our enemy to move our landmark. We then are guilty ourselves because we give them, we allow them to do this. Therefore, underestimating. The measure of our faith as well as overestimating the measure of our faith demonstrated in our calling can become a barrier for God and His ability to demonstrate Himself to us in the virtue of a living shield. God will protect us when we will protect our lot. But if I'm not protecting my lot and I allow that, (coughs) <coughs> other lo- uh, move my uh, landmark when I begin to protect my lot then is when God will stand between us and our enemies and this enemy can be our wife or husband even I for her or she for me will be controlling and forcing her to do things that she thinks she is not agreeing with or she doesn't understand even if I'm right, but if it appears to her that I'm not right, then she doesn't need to do this. But I sing this, that she's behaving this way. I need to go into my own room and pray. Lord, maybe I'm not right that I'm demanding this from my wife. Open it to me, please. And if I realize I'm wrong, I will apologize. But if God doesn't uh, reveal it to me and he's silent, God will then work with my wife and she will see it and she will agree or the opposite. <coughs> And so, we need to not violate the, the landmark of our, of our neighbor or move it. Relevant to this, it is necessary for us to study and respond to a series of questions. First, what for us are the symbolic boundaries of the land of Canaan? Because we're studying the land of Canaan, and God gives it our us our lot, this our body is our lot, and we... We'll be studying this in our body. Within the boundary of our body, we are studying the symbolic boundaries of the land of Canaan within the boundaries of our body as well as the boundary of the body of Christ, which represents our house of prayer. Second, what is supposed to be our lot in our body within the boundaries of the land of Canaan? Third, in what situations are we able to move our neighbor's landmark within our body who in our body is our neighbor? And in what situations are our neighbors and our enemies able to move our landmark? Fourth, what are we supposed to do so that first we not move or move our neighbor's landmark? And second, not allow anyone else to move the landmark of our lot. Therefore, question What, what for us and are the symbolic boundaries of the land of Canaan within the boundaries of our body as well as the boundary of the body of Christ, which represents our house of prayer? First, the symbol of the land of Canaan within the boundary of our body is the soil of our heart, which is called to produce the fruit of our spirit, consisting of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. This is our lot within our body, the soil of our heart. So we understand what within my body is my neighbor, the soil of my heart. Ephesians 5, 8, 9, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And our old self, our nature, may not agree to this and will move the landmark, will, will interfere. Second, the symbol of the boundaries of the land of Canaan are the boundaries of our mortal body, to whom belongs the promise of incorruption by the adoption of the redemption of Christ. As you can see here within our body this is uh, the, our lot is the soil of our heart and our body itself also is our lot because within our body we have two opposing one another persons that are not visible to the physical eye of man the old who represents governing sin and the new who represents holy truth for i know that in me that is in my flesh nothing good dwells for to will to for to will is present with me but how to perform what is good I do not find for the good that I will to do I do not do but the evil I will not to do that I practice now if I do what I will not to do It is no no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. A wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God but with the flesh the law of sin Romans 7 18 through 25 and so the flesh cannot serve God you can serve with the spirit the flesh cannot worship we can worship only in spirit and in truth although we live in the flesh in the body of flesh we need to worship in spirit and in truth At the same time, the symbol of the land of Canaan, within the boundary of the body of Christ, is a chosen by God remnant, that the men of flesh resist the unclean and the lawless who claim the kingdom of heaven, and until the time of harvest will grow upon the same uh, same field. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way but when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop then the tares also appeared so the servants of the owner came and said to him sir did you not sow good seed in your field how then does it have tares he said to them an enemy has done this the servants said to him the enemy has done this the enemy of men has done this not the enemy and the enemy wasn't devil it was men because the devil will work through through men God works through men, and the devil works through men. The servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while the ga- you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Matthew 13, 24-30 Second question, what is supposed to be our lot in our body within within the boundaries of the land of Canaan. The symbol of our lot within the boundaries of the land of Canaan, which represents the incorrupt soil of our heart within our mortal body, called to grow the fruit of the Spirit consisting of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, is the purity of our heart. The purity of our heart is presented in the virtue of our conscience that is cleansed from dead works, upon which, like a seal, we see imprinted the governance of the elementary teaching of Christ, together with the twelve pearly gates, twelve foundations of the wall of the New Jerusalem, and the tree of life that bears fruit twelve times a year, bearing its fruit each month. Proverbs 4.20-27 20 My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth, and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead, and your eyelids look straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, and let all your ways be established. Do not let turn to the right or to the left. Remove your feet from evil. The Lord watches the right way, but the left is corrupt. He will make your path straight and will establish your way on earth.
1: And so, in
0: other words, here it's talking about the purity of the heart, that there is always an attempt uh, uh, to violate the purity of our heart, uh, to not consider the desire to live a holy life, the flesh will violate this and justify its acts, uh, that this is just how it turns out, or, or the conscience will judge, the conscience will judge, and then the conscience will stop judging if a person is not fighting this, and the person will then start drinking sin as water and not uh, experience anything wrong in himself doing so. At the same time, the symbol of our lot within the boundaries of the land of Canaan, representing the body of Christ, which is the chosen by God remnant, is being of one accord and of one mind with the person that represents for us the delegated fathership of God. This is our lot as, as, as uh, in general within the body that is our lot being of one accord of one mind therefore if there is any consolation in Christ if any comfort of love if any fellowship of the spirit if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded having the same love being of one accord of one mind let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than themselves uh, Philippians 2, 1 through 3. We talked about this being of, of one accord, of one mind. This happens only in one way. When we don't say, well, I understand things this way, when we say, I understand as the Lord has revealed through the person whom he has placed so that he can edify the church. That's what, how we're like-minded and of one heart. We are of of one accord. This is the lot within the body of Christ. Here we're standing again within the body of Christ. Third question, who is our neighbor whose landmark we cannot move within our body? And who is our neighbor in the body of Christ whose landmark we cannot move? Or in what situations within our body do we move our neighbor's landmark, as well as in what situations are our neighbors and our enemies able to move our landmark within the body of Christ? The symbol of our neighbor within our, within our body, whose landmark it is forbidden to move, is our new person. The symbol of our neighbor within the body of Christ, whose landmark we are forbidden from moving, is the person that represents for us the delegated fathership of God, as well as every person that follows the revelations of the word that comes out of his mouth. The symbol of our neighbor is every person who possesses the state of a stranger within their spirit, one that is fatherless and a widow. The state of a stranger is identified by the sign that this person possesses a testimony that he in the death of the Lord Jesus died for his nation. The state of the fatherless is determined by the sign, if a person possesses within his spirit a testimony that he in the death of Jesus Christ died for the house of his father, not for his own house but these are our children but for the house of our father the state of a widow is determined by the sign that this person possesses a testimony that he in the death of the Lord Jesus died for governing sin in his body which is his old person therefore if a person does not possess in himself the state of a stranger one that is fatherless and a widow he loses the right to be called and to be our neighbor to confirm the given truth, I will bring forth a few more testimonies from Scripture which forbid us from moving our neighbor's landmark, as one that is a stranger, one that is fatherless, and a widow. Do not remove the ancient landmark, nor enter the fields of the fatherless, for the Redeemer is mighty. He will plead their cause against you. Proverbs 23, 10, 11. You see where God demonstrates Himself as our protector when we will possess the virtue of one who is fatherless. One who is fatherless is one who has died for his the house of his father and he no longer has uh, protection. In churches, there are clans. The familial clans, the bigger families, the more af- effect they have within the church, and this cannot exist. It cannot exist in the church. This is an abomination before God. This is pitiful, and this is no longer a church. This is some kind of simple uh, gathering of, of clans. Like in any country, there are clans that have f- f- uh, battles or fights between one another. Uh, in churches, they have these kinds of things, but when a person dies for their clan, f- dies for— the- the house of their father, then the house of their father cannot protect them any longer. And then uh, then it's easy to uh, move his landmark, but God says, "I will, uh, I will then stand for them, and I will stand between you and them, and I will take these hits upon myself. But if you hit me, if you hit me, when you will hit the fatherless, you will hit me. Think about that. When we move their landmark, that's when we hit, we strike God, we hit God because He stands between us uh, and the uh, widow, the fatherless, the stranger. And so, again, we're hitting God instead of the person we're intending. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the boundary of the widow. Proverbs 15.25 To move your neighbor's landmark within your body, that of a stranger, one that is fatherless, and a widow, is having faith in a good conscience, but rejecting them and experiencing shipwreck in your faith. When we possess the state, we have faith in a good conscience, but... When we reject the state of a stranger, one who's fatherless, a widow, because the state this is the state of the spirit, and so when we, for the sake of satisfying the flesh or pleasing the flesh, we reject it, we suffer shipwreck in faith. This charge I commit to you, son. Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith in a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hamanus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. First Timothy 1, 18-20. To move your neighbor's landmark, one that is a stranger, one that is fatherless and a widow within the body of Christ, representing our relationship with one another within our churches, is to pervert justice due to stranger, to the fatherless, and take a widow's garments as a pledge. You shall not pervert justice due to the stranger or the fatherless, nor take a widow's garments as a pledge, but you shall, <coughs> if you could take a garment as a pledge from anyone, you can't from a widow. You can give to her and take nothing from her. But you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore I command you to do this thing. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands." When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over the, the bows again. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyards, you shall not glean it afterwards. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. And you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this thing. Deuteronomy 24, 17-22 It's interesting that how God says, I will be your shield. When you will not move your neighbor's landmark, not just out of your body, but within your body also, when it talks about your, we're talking about your spirit. Fourth question, what are we supposed to do so that first we not move our neighbor's landmark and second, not allow anyone else to move the landmark landmark of our lot. And how do we need to behave so that we can provide God with a legitimate foundation to become our living shield, taking upon our himself the hits from our enemies that were directed at us and are directed toward moving our sovereign landmark that outlines our lot. So that we not move our neighbor's landmark within our body as well as within the boundaries of the body of Christ. It is necessary for us to stand fast in liberty that is given to us by God in the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which God has made, which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Galatians 5.1 To stand in the liberty of Christ means to be freed from the power of sin within your body by collaborating the the, truth of the bl- with the truth of the blood of Christ and the truth of the cross of Christ, which opens up the way to growing the tree of life. And second, to stand in the liberty of Christ means to be free from all control of man, those that are of the flesh, unclean and lawless, that are within the churches, by presenting the members of your body as slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh for just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness Romans 6.19 looking at this in other places of scripture we conclude that to stand in the liberty of Christ by presenting the members of your body as a slave of righteousness is from the beginning to the end the the choice and decision of man where he makes a decision to reject the interests of the old person so he not counsel with the flesh and blood, so he can receive the power to the right to present the interests of his new person. And when we make this decision, then God comes in the form of a shield and stands between us and our enemies. When Jesus was in the Gethsemane Garden, When he made the decision, he said, Not my will, but your will be. Then the Lord appeared and became his shield. The angel of the Lord came in and began to strengthen him. Considering, therefore, that we have been given everything we need so that we can cast off the old man and all things that pertain to life and godliness. Second Peter one, three through eleven. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through the through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. If we will not distance ourselves from the the lusts that uh overtake the world if you feel that your lust is uh inflamed when when you're near a certain person avoid that person avoid that person and don't communicate with them because you begin to fall in love with that person but you're married Take a go away from this person, and when you begin to leave and t- stay away from this person, God will become a living shield between you and them, and this feeling will leave you. It will disappear as a fog disappears. And so those people that don't do this, they fall into the trap of Satan, the sa- snare of Satan. They d- why because they don't listen. It says. That you escape the corruption that is in the world through lust, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to their, uh, to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound... they're not just yours but they will abound you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ these characteristics will increase this is the heart of the Heavenly Father for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he has cle- he was cleansed from his old sins therefore brethren be even more diligent to make your call and election sure for if you do not do these things you will never stumble for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ 2 Peter 1 3 through 11 how will this kingdom be open to us that how will it be supplied to us abundantly? We will be growing these fruits uh, within our heart they, and they need to increase and we will not then move the landmark of our neighbor first moving your neighbor's landmark happens because of our ignorance which consists of our hard heart we don't notice sometimes that we're doing it. <clears throat> the one that's, And the one may be allowing you to move their landmark, not understanding they're doing this too, to violate their boundaries. You control him and he feels good that you're controlling him. Often in, sh- in families, this is established. The wife does the work of the husband, controlling him, making him, I, I mean, When I say this, they take responsibility for the husband. It's not him who takes responsibility, but she then does. She can't tell the difference between leadership and... uh, But there's leadership, but taking responsibility. But she starts taking responsibility. And the husband, seeing this, allows her to take that responsibility, and they both are breaking God's law, and God can't do one anything for the one or the other. He can't be a living shield for either. And so we need to pray that God enlighten us so that we, the wife not uh, violate the sovereign uh, boundaries of the husband and the husband not violate sovereign boundaries of their wife. So the husband carries responsibility for the wife and the child and the wife doesn't need to take that upon herself. Uh, This is often happening when The children are disobedient, this is often shown, and the wife begins to teach the husband how to punish and how you need to punish. This needs to stop, the wife needs to leave when the husband is punishing. And if the children come to the wife and complain, she needs to say, it's correct, the father did the right thing. The wife can punish the child. If the husband is absent, but if the husband is present, the wife shouldn't punish the children. Why? Because she is then violating that boundary. God has placed responsibility upon the husband. What does that mean? That is to stand in prayer before God and take the sin of the children and sin of their wife upon themselves. Not complain to God that my wife is sinning. That is hard for me or my children. But come to God and bow your knees yourself on uh, get on your knees and say lord i take responsibility i am the responsible party uh the hit that you want to bring for the disobedience of my wife or or my children may it fall upon me that is what it's talking about christ behaved the same way as, as the one that's responsible and the wife directs within the house uh, this is very different uh, don't confuse responsibility with Uh, just directing within the household. Second, moving your neighbor's landmark happens because of a controlling spirit which demonstrates itself in egoism. Control is egoism. If there was no egoism, there would not be control. A person has fear. Why do pastors control the members of the church? They don't give them complete freedom. Freedom in Christ, liberty in Christ. Why Does every person need to come and explain themselves? Where did they go? Why did they go there? What they were doing? If a person finds a need and he wants uh, the pastor to bless them, he says, Pastor, please bless me. I pray and I bless this person, absolutely. And then they ask me, where did they go? I say, I don't know. He just asked that he's going to go somewhere and he wants blessing. And he's like, why didn't people ask, why didn't you ask? I, I said, I don't have the right to ask. He didn't tell me himself, he didn't find it needed in the time to tell me, he's not required to tell me where he's going. People that are within the service, they need to come and say, I will leave and I won't be here, Um, I'm I'm just going to go somewhere. And we need to understand that, that I absolutely have no curiosity as to exactly where someone is going, what they're doing. Uh, There are of course people that may be closer. Uh, To me that may be tell me where they're going or I may ask, but when I ask in that case uh, I'm not violating any boundaries There are people who do not want questions asked. They don't any question why they immediately Become uncomfortable and they say a lot of things and even lie Instead of say what they really have in them They can't even demonstrate their love You need to consider these things. Considering such facts, people that possess a controlling spirit and depend on the controlling spirit of others that live with them or amongst them are people that refuse to stand in liberty which is given to us by Christ from the governing sin in their bodies. Therefore, the one that controls as well as the one that is being controlled, loses their right to God's protection. This is because they do not provide God with a legitimate foundation to demonstrate Himself in their life as a living shield, taking upon Himself the hits that are directed against us by our enemies, which live within our bodies as well as out of our our bodies. You say, okay, what do I do? My wife is behaving this way or my husband is behaving this way. It doesn't matter how he's behaving. Absolutely, it does not matter. Still, You you see he behaves this way You don't need to allow them to violate your boundary Let him or her do whatever they want But you keep going straight You don't need to shout You don't need to justify yourself You just be silent and wait And pray quietly within yourself Pray quietly within yourself My mother-in-law in this case was an example to me Uh, uh, the husband was very controlling a very, very, he had a very controlling spirit and and he was very, very harsh but you know what my mother-in-law did when he would begin to yell at her or do something, demand something she began to sing uh, I will tell all who live how Christ has suffered for me and he would come to me and say you know, when she begins to sing she just, everything cuts off, and what is this? But she just starts singing every time. You see what she's doing? And so he'd come and come complain to me. He couldn't do anything every time she would sing. He couldn't do anything. Maybe God gave her this wisdom, uh, this song. When she would sing this song, it would completely, dis. Uh, it would, disable the, the, the situation or, or it would uh, neutralize the problem. Uh, she saw it as to be the correct way. There were a lot of things she, he demanded, but she only did what she considered correct. And so, it, you can overcome when God will see your suffering that you're overcoming, either from your husband or from your wife. Go into your room, close the door, don't complain to God. But the opposite, defend your marital marital partner and say, Lord, open yourself to them. Take this hit upon you because when you take responsibility upon yourself, then God becomes your shield. If you will not protect your wife or your children, God will not be your shield. The wife, in the absence of the husband, is responsible for the children and can take responsibility in that case and behave as a husband would. But in the presence of her husband, she should not punish the children. The husband should. But in his absence, she should. And so, take on these holy rules and don't violate each other's boundaries. Uh if you want God to be your living shield, he will become your living living shield. But first, you need to see that. When you see this, then this is a great victory already, if you see it. But you need to want to desire it also. Lord, reveal it to me, maybe I'm controlling. Maybe my husband is just used to my control, and I have no one else. To, or my wife <coughs> is used to my control and she just doesn't say it because she's used to it. anything I say she's doing or he's doing you need to pray that God revealed to us and when we pray sincerely God will reveal it I prayed that God revealed to me my control that I not control my wife, my children the Church of Christ that you can feel The aroma of liberty, freedom, that you come here and you feel the aroma of freedom. That people not be afraid and hide from the pastor. Because people are afraid when someone is controlling. I've seen these pastors, I know exactly what I'm saying unfortunately for the most part pastors are are with uh, uh, controlling spirits or they control their wives and their brotherly or their wives are controlling or their brotherly councils and so there are pastors uh, uh, who are completely controlling the situation and the wife manipulates uh, him and, and controls him do not do this. May the Lord bless you that God's mercy can be upon us so that the lot, our lot, our boundaries, our lot uh, being of, of one accord, be like-minded, that this remain and so. Our goal is to adopt our body. This is our lot. Not Don't allow anyone that anyone violate this in some way. Don't ever t- try to indicate to your husband or wife that you consider this holy or that you consider yourself holy in some way even if you see that there's something happening in a person, a husband or wife be silent and pray for them instead and God will direct them back to righteousness He will help a person can't be free of a controlling spirit if you will be telling them about it, they themselves will become free when they will want to become free. Only then will they become be able to come, become free. Let us bend our heads or our knees in prayer and may the Lord bless us not to move the landmark of our neighbor, not to violate their boundaries. Boundaries between husband and wife, parents and children, and between one another as well. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for the privilege again and again to be upon this place that your hand has appointed for the worshipping of your holy name. For upon this place, you open up your words. You open your heart. You want to make us, as you are yourself, good, favorable, beautiful, great, so that we be considerate of the weaknesses of our neighbors. May your mercy be with each one of us even after we understand and see in ourselves specific dependence it's not always successful that we become free of it or that we be free of it fast this makes it difficult for us and we are sorrowful in our heart but I thank you that you inspire us in battle and you uh, uh, you lift us up again and again you remind us that the righteous can fall seven times but rise again. And when you say seven, you mean the number of fullness, wholeness, until we are grown into full measure of growth, when we will not be stumbling and falling because of the demands of our desires, when our desires and will will be dead, will be bound and imprisoned in us and we can freely without interruption serve you and will not allow anyone ever to violate our boundaries our calling our purity our peace our quiet because you have given to us such a peace that can't be broken violated by anyone else we can be upset we can be in sorrow but that doesn't mean we lost peace with you it continues to stay may the boundaries of the stranger widow and the fatherless be protected may your inheritance Obtain this state, this wonderful and beautiful state that you are favorable to. And to have this state, it is necessary for us to die for those institutions of power that our nation, the house of our father, and governing sin support that lives within our body to bind him, to become free in Jesus Christ from him. We received this liberty in the form of the seed of the word, and the seed alone is not able to give us freedom. It is necessary to invest this seed so that it grow into fruit and only after that the fruit will be able to give us freedom when we understand this comprehend this then we will know what we need to do and then we will begin to look at ourselves perfect in Jesus Christ we will be able to see ourselves that we are dead to sin living for you And we will proclaim and confess the faith of our heart, the not-existent stronghold of incorruption as existent. We will confess that our old person is bound and that we no longer are slaves of sin. And during any sort of situation where we fall, we will rise again, rise from the dust, and will bring hell to in fear, will make them fear. Hell fears when your children receive this truth. Hell understands that if the righteous falls, he will not become wicked or unclean. His fall will be a victory because he will rise again. He will repent, and this will be a great victory that will bring joy to the heavens. And will shame hell. I thank you that you have revealed this truth to your children in their heart, and we can come to you, we can bow ourselves before you at the altar, we can confess our sins, so that we again and again can rise again and shame hell and bring joy to you may our heart be blessed before your face and may it be in the likeness of your heart you gave us everything we need for this you gave us the truth of your word you gave us your Holy Spirit you gave us everything we need for a life in godliness and we thank you and we worship for you our God, Son and Holy Spirit Amen our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come